Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And we're here to talk openly and honestly about miscarriage, stillbirth, and all pregnancy loss. We aim to smash the taboo surrounding these subjects and rebuild the topic in a way to support and educate women rather than isolate and shame them. Welcome to the worst girl gang ever. Hello everybody, welcome to this episode of the worst girl gang ever. Happy New Year. This is an episode that we recorded last year, you know, 2020, that shitter of a year. We recorded this with Zara, who is also known as Little Norfolk Cottage. Now, she's had a journey through endometriosis, IVF, and then sadly had to go through a termination for medical reasons. So this is our interview with her. When did you first know that you had endometriosis? I was about 17, but I'd watched my sister go through it and my mum. Um, wow. And now you know that my nan went through it as well. She had a hysterectomy at 36. Wow. Yeah. And uh, my sister had one at 38, I think she was. So, yeah, it's all, it's all been quite young. So I knew what to look out for. So when I went to the GP, I was well aware that they were probably about to fob me off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they did. They said to me, their actual words were, when I went there as an 18-year-old, you need to get pregnant, then you won't have this pain. Uh. what a great solution yeah I just wish that I kind of had the strength then that I have now because I must have laid into them but at the time hindsight's a wonderful thing isn't it it really is it is and you just you know I was very naive and they put me on the pill as if that would just solve everything which of course it doesn't um they still say that to people I don't know I mean I'm sure there probably are some that do and what do, what's their reasoning for putting you on the pill what do they so say that, that would do or that can control your bleeding so basically they used to say to me I'll just do back to back so you never have a bleed which is obviously not great for you but no. when you're not bleeding your endometriosis isn't being able to spread that's their theory so that's okay the easy solution but I didn't I didn't kind of get fobbed off with that for long and then I went to see a consultant who did a laparoscopy and when he went inside he said his words were you're riddled with it it was everywhere okay do you still have it now yeah and what are your symptoms um so during ovulation I vomit I lay on the floor it's (gasps) during ovulation 
worse than childbirth pain. And I can say that now I've been through childbirth. It is, I am on all fours. I am like shaking, sweating. Wow. How long for? Uh, two or three days. Blimey. On and off for two or three days. And I know when it's coming and I know when it's going to end. So I think that's how I just put up with it now. Yeah. Um, they've asked me to have another laparoscopy, but I never gain from them. I never gain anything from them. By the time I've got over the pain of having a surgery, the endo pain has kicked back in. So I've what never do they do it. when they go um, in for they the laser, surgery? They laser it off. So they yeah. laser it off. Um, but the issue I now have is so many of my organs are glued together from it. From the endometriosis? Yeah, so my bowel is glued to my stomach. It's grown all on my pelvic ligaments, so I get a hell of a lot of pelvic pain and nerve pain down my legs and up into my armpits. That's most days. Oh, my gosh. Awful. How Can you control the pain? What do you take? I No, I haven't got anything that helps me. They have referred me to the um, chronic pain team at St. Thomas's, and they've said on days when it gets bad, I can go in on a morphine drip. But you don't know when you wake up that it's no. bad so that that just doesn't work and they gave me a tens machine which did nothing and literally nothing works um i've got a numbing pain patch that they now won't give me anymore and i don't know why if they've been banned but yeah nothing works but like i said i know it's it's kind of for a finite amount of time per month and i just get on with it oh really. sorry that's awful i'm so sorry that you're going through all that yeah it's it's awful but um you know us women <laughs> and so what's the plan like what is there actually nothing that they can do uh no it would just be a hyster- hysterectomy to be honest and would uh, that cure the endometriosis elsewhere no it wouldn't right. so my bowel is in a bit of trouble because they generally won't touch your bowel because it can lead to you know a lot more serious complications so they wouldn't um they wouldn't probably touch that they basically said to me just last as long as you can in the pain that you're in and when you feel you've hit the wall we'll then look at another option which would be and with it with the endometriosis in your bowel is that does that mean blood when you go to the toilet and pay no just when I leave the toilet I have to crawl to the loo um what every time yeah every time because the pain (laughs) like I mean, it's just, it's like being, I imagine what being stabbed would be like. like the pain is awful. And um, where is the pain for that? Is it in your stomach or is it in your in your bum where it feels like? It's in my stomach. So it's like to the left of my belly button and all down that side. So it's mm-hmm. like my ribs and my hip bone are being pulled together. So I actually physically go to the side. Oh my God. So you just fine. write off a few days of every month just I mean, don't I, make any plans and I really plan what I do mm. Uh, mm. because there are so many times when I'm out and I get pain that doubles me over and I have to pretend I bend down and uh, lace my shoe right. X knows that sign so if I just go I'm just lacing my shoe he's like do you need to go home I'm like no I just breathe through it I'll breathe through it and then it's fine it is yeah. I mean it's awful to live with and so many women live with it it's just mm. such a bitch it's so difficult from what I've gathered because we did a post on endometriosis last mm-hmm. week and there's been a bit in the news about it recently which I'm sure you're aware of but the popular sort of opinion is that it takes a long time to get diagnosed and why do you think that is? Because I think society says that women's periods are painful and that's what it is and that's mm-hmm. that and you have to just shout and shout and shout you know yourself if something's not right I knew something mm-hmm. I knew it. I was looking at friends of mine who weren't in the doubled over pain that I was. And mm. I just 
if you know something's not right, you have to advocate for yourself, especially, mm. oh my God, and just push for it. I mean, often the only way to diagnose it is through a laparoscopy, um, which, you know, isn't great. People don't want that surgery. No. And a laparoscopy is... Uh, what happens during that procedure? Can you just explain it? You have um, thin cameras that are popped through your belly button and a few other incisions within your abdomen. And they will then go in and see where the uh, endometriosis is and they can then go in and laser it off. Okay. Um, But like I said, I've never done well with abdominal surgery. I always take so long to recover. And then by the time the pain from that goes, Mm. I'm back with bad endo pain. So it just doesn't have the right benefit for me to have it again. And so with all this horrendous pain during ovulation, when you were trying to conceive naturally, that must have had a hell of effect on that. Yes. Was it even possible to have sex during ovulation? Yeah, I don't find that painful at all, which I know is a symptom. I don't have, okay. the, I don't have the basic symptoms, which are painful periods and pain during sex. I don't have any of that. So oh, I right. think this is what people should look for, but it's not always. I don't have no. any of that. Mine is, my ovulation is hell on earth wow so yeah talk us briefly briefly through your journey of um trying to conceive naturally as in how many how long does it take you in that sort of so I we only tried for about a year before I went to the GP because I know I had endo and they kind of tell you that's about the time frame and I went to her and instantly she put us forward for IVF um and it all came around so quickly that I chickened out of the first round and then was told I'd lose my funding if I didn't go for it within three months. So I Why did you chicken out? What what happened? I went to the GP and three weeks later. I had my appointment and my drugs regime came through and I just wasn't. Wow. I, I know, right? That's, and that was, that's like it was like NHS. NHS, yeah, Guy's Hospital. And I didn't know about IVF. My sister, who'd suffered horrifically with endo, didn't have to have it. And I never, ever thought... I would end up there ever. I don't know why I just didn't. I didn't really know anyone else who'd been through it. And did you have, so you had the IVF because you were trying for a year without conceiving? Yeah. Okay. And they knew my history and they just said, it's, it's likely you're going to have to go down this road anyway. Um, Let's get the ball rolling. And how many, how many rounds? (laughs) Yeah, gosh, that is quick. How many rounds of IVF did you have? I just have one. Okay. One fresh and, um, it resulted in my four-year-old son, Jax. Aww. He's pretty cute. He is cute. He's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And so take us forward. So that was four years ago. And what happened after that? 2014, uh, 2015, sorry. And then he was born 2016. So we had six embryos frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we then decided to go again. It was a frozen uh, transfer. And it was a natural transfer, which is literally, at, at my clinic anyway at the time, it was so simple. You literally peed on a stick at home, an ovulation stick, called them when the smiley face turned up, started progesterone and went in five days later for a transfer. It, okay, so a natural natural um, cycle means that you don't have all the drugs to bring on ovulation and all that, that stuff. If you ovulate regularly or you know, you know you ovulate, which I do. I have long cycles, but I do ovulate they will allow you to try that. I mean, I did have to push for it a bit, especially if you're at an NHS clinic because they need you to fit in to a certain time scale. Right, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You don't have all that freedom. And they did a few times. They said, oh, it might have to be cancelled. But it, it didn't, and it went ahead. Um, and it was just so simple. I had a terrible time with my fresh. 
cycle, I had to have emergency stomach surgery at 10 weeks pregnant um, because I had overstimulation. Yeah, I had overstimulation. overstimulation. Um, And I spent three months in hospital. So I was kind of gearing myself up for this really tough cycle. And it was so simple. It was Mm -hmm. an absolute walk in the park. Right. And, And that was successful. Yeah, yeah, it was successful and everything everything was looking great. And then, yeah, the pregnancy was going perfectly. I had horrific nausea and sickness. I couldn't, like, lift my head, and I loved it. I, you know, yeah. that lovely pain where, you, where you're just sick. I was like, please let me feel sick. Yeah. yeah. And so what happened after that? We went for a scan, and everything looked fine. And then they asked me to go out into the waiting room, which I did, and I sent Lex downstairs. and then. The sonographer called me back in and said, I need to just talk to you. And my first thought was she forgot to give me a scan picture because they'd been giving me them every scan. And Mm. then it was just, I mean, when you talk of like, I'm sure we've all had these experiences just when you, your body is in shock and it is like the world and the room is caving in on you. Mm. And it was just that. And she said, I've actually found something and his stomach hasn't closed and then I just can't really remember what she said. Oh, I just yeah. knew. I mean, I thought my heart was going to burst out of my chest. It was that absolute, just sheer yeah. panicked feeling. Were you and on was, your own? Was Lex with you? Sorry, yeah, I was. No, I was on my own because I stood down to get Jack's. Um, yeah, it was just awful. So I went back out into the waiting room and texted. He was then going to head home with Jack's while I stayed behind and I was going to get some painkillers and um, anti sickness meds. And I said, you've got to come back up. They've found something. And um, they tried to send me home. She said, come back in two weeks and we'll rescan you. What? No, I, I can't. I just can't. Like, mm. I just can't do that. And I said, I want to speak with someone. I'm not going to go home. Yeah, Did she tell you what it could have been or what it was? Or? At all. So I sat and Googled for eight hours, just Googled oh, yeah. out of what it could be. And I remember I kept seeing this thing called body stalk anomaly never heard of it haven't really heard of it since to be honest and I kept saying that um if if the baby has this then they don't live and termination and I'd never heard of a termination I just hadn't I hadn't known anyone who'd gone through it and I hadn't heard of it and I kept thinking but I don't what does that mean because the baby's alive and you obviously don't terminate a baby that's alive like I just it did not Mm -hmm. and when I finally spoke to the consultant and asked her what she thought it could be, she said it could be one of three things. The first two are kind of fixable. It just would involve putting the bowel back in the body after birth. And, you know, that's that's OK. The second option was a bit more serious, but that still could have been fine. And she said, and the third one we're dealing with, that's a third one we're talking about is body stalk anomaly. But we are not dealing with that. And. I'm so angry now with her saying that because she wasn't in the scan. She mm. didn't bake out on anything. And I left that hospital with a glimmer of hope. Yeah. And I'm, I'm angry about that. I'm sure honest. you are. The thing is when a, a person of that sort of stature with mm. so many years of university behind them says that, that gives you confidence. Cause if we can't trust these people, who, who bloody hell do we trust? Mm, that's it. But it's yeah. weird. I, I, looking back I did know and I yeah. don't know if it was mother's instinct Lex my husband always calls me a pessimist I think I'm a realist yeah I, did. I just that day I was like I know this isn't gonna end well I just know mm. it 
Um, and I had been through so much trauma in my first pregnancy and was in counselling for everything I'd been through with that. And I kept thinking, maybe it's just that. Maybe it's just because what you've been through, you're, yeah. you know, you're jumping to conclusions here. Yeah, your like, senses are heightened to it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was anxious in the pregnancy anyway. I really was already. Um, and yeah, just the next day I went home that night and knew that I wasn't going to wait two weeks. I couldn't wait two weeks. And I booked a private scan the next day at the Portland Hospital. And at this private scan, did they confirm the, what was it, stalk anomaly? Yeah, body stalk anomaly. They did, yeah. So they actually, well, they said it was one in 14,000. They now think it's more like one in 40,000. And the guy said that he'd seen it once before, but he had been a sonographer for 19 years. Wow. it wasn't, it wasn't common. Um, so the lady said, I'm just going to get my colleague and ran out of the room. And then the guy came in and I remember he said to Lex, I've sat where you're sitting now as the dad and I've sat here as the sonographer and I'm going to be as honest as I can with you guys because that's what you deserve. He said, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I presume the lady had told him what she'd found at this point. Yeah. And he started scanning and was scanning for what seemed like hours. And I just knew that he just didn't say a word and I could see on the screen I mean the poor baby he he was stuck to the top of the the placenta um he had barely any umbilical cord so he couldn't move so you know he'd been inside me all those months and couldn't move it was good to have that scan because I felt that when I'd been to the um early pregnancy unit the day before they hadn't told me anything and then you start to wonder, you start to think, well, maybe they were mistaken. And, you know, you start to really. Yeah, like surely they'd have said something if there was anything to and it's concrete. So obvious how poorly Jesse was. It was so obvious. Um, and I just don't know why they didn't tell me. And um, went back to St. Thomas's the next day and basically demanded to be scanned. I said, I'm here and I'm not going home. I'm not going to wait two weeks. I'm not going home knowing exactly what's been found and they were I felt they were a bit peed off I'd gone behind their back I think when you go through a lot of crap with pregnancy and loss you learn to kind of not give a shit about that mm-hmm. I, you know I don't care because you go home tonight and watch EastEnders I go yeah. home to cry myself to sleep exactly um and so I did I waited for hours for them to scan me and they finally yeah they scanned me and it was it was confirmed that it was body stalk anomaly and it was actually started to become dangerous for me because Jesse's foot had started to poke through the sack. Um, mm, wow. Which, yeah, which was going to be dangerous for me. And they said, you can carry, you can carry on carrying the baby, but it is going to pose, you know, a danger to your health and we will have to scan you carefully each, each time and regularly or you can terminate. But to be honest, by that point, I'd been up all night the night before researching. I'm, I'm quite a geek when it comes to things like this. And I knew what we were facing mm-hmm. like there'd been no cases of a baby ever surviving this um I also knew how severe Jesse's case was mm. and we just knew that to terminate for us was the right thing mentally for me I couldn't carry that baby no. and with body stalk anomaly it is literally it's non-genetic it's a blip in that development and so Jesse's body didn't close right so all of his organs were outside of his body. Um, his left leg was bent up behind his back. He had tumours at the base of his spine. Oh, bless him. 
the only organ that was in his body was his heart, but that had dropped down to where his stomach should have been because there was oh. no to hold it up. Um, oh. But facially, he was perfect. Oh. He was beautiful. Oh. I'm sorry, I always get... No, don't be sorry. Don't apologise. I just get upset at the details, but I think it's... It's important for me to to say those details because I do still feel as much as I absolutely have dealt with this and I don't have guilt over terminating. Nor should you. No, and I really don't. But I do still feel sometimes I have to let people know the severity. Mm. And that is something that comes along with termination, which is something, you know, that's what I'm fighting for, that that goes and people don't judge and people shouldn't have to know the details but I do still feel that I need to tell them you should be able to without judgment for sure yeah there is still a lot of judgment (laughs) and have you faced that judgment I have so yeah I went on loose women and I did get quite a bit of backlash um on twitter which I expected and loose women were really good I think they knew that were they likely happen and they did they had me talk to a counsellor and they had a number I could call if I felt it was getting out of control and it didn't because I don't read it you know I did I did on just to read it that day and then I thought I don't need that um and it's people's opinion and you I won't judge anyone for having an opinion yeah I hope that people don't judge me for having my opinion Mm. but yeah I did I got called a baby killer and I got told I shouldn't have Jackson and didn't deserve to be a mum and yeah just not was the was the overriding comments and was it supportive in the main and then a few little dicks or I would say it was like 98% positive and 2% just really um and the, the main feedback was like I two years ago it was exactly the same position I was in people hadn't heard of it people didn't know this yeah um, they thought yeah. it was a caution. And when Loose Women approached me to go on and talk about it, I was so thankful because it was the first time it had really been covered in detail yeah. um, and not compared to abortion because that was the only time it had mainly been covered was if people said it's like an abortion and it's it's not. No. No. And I think it took someone who has been through it to kind of give the story to maybe humanize it to other people and make to make other people realize just exactly what it entails it's such a a difficult a difficult thing to talk about isn't it I think lots of people go through it but very few people are brave enough to stand up and and talk about it like in a in a public Mm. domain um because of all the stigma there is around it but like with anything, with all of these aspects of baby loss, the more it's spoken about, the easier it is for other people to then absolutely have the courage to stand up and tell their story. Yeah. It's I really just empowering. The day, the day we found out and I just felt my world collapse and I didn't know who to turn to. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who'd been through it. And I vowed to my counsellor that, that day, I said, when I'm strong enough, I'm going to shout this from the rooftop so no one else feels mm. what I did that day. And mm. you are, you are like, you're you're leading the way. Tell us about a bit about the work that you're doing with the charities. 
So uh, on September 15th, Tommy's Arc and Petals announced that they would be supporting hashtag break the silence or yeah. TMR, which is termination for medical reasons. And until then, it's never really had its own arena. It's mm-hmm. kind of just been tagged on or not even tagged on. The one in four baby loss stats, that doesn't even include TFMR. Mm-hmm. And it's that that really made me kind of sit up and go, hang on, we are the forgotten ones here. We are the mm-hmm. ones that aren't even counted. Yeah. And I can't tell you how wanted my baby was. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. as though it was like, oh, I just fell pregnant and I'm quite sad that I terminated. My baby was so bloody wanted. I went through IVF for him. You know, I would have done anything to change the outcome of what I went through, but I couldn't. Doesn't mean that I didn't I didn't want him. And I just no. that that wasn't heard enough for people to sit up and listen. And Tommy's Arc and Petals, the work they're doing is incredible. And mm. I have literally had thousands of messages. I, you know, do most of it on Instagram from women who lots of them have said, I've never told anyone I've been through it, and I went through it 12 years ago or eight years mm. ago. And to live with that is so damaging. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's not just the trauma of losing a baby, is it? It's that it's the that extra layer of trauma where you've made that decision and you carry wrongly, rightly or wrongly so, or well, wrongly so, you carry that guilt. And and to live with that as well as mm-hmm. the grief of losing the baby, it just must be horrendous. It is. And also, I do wonder if I would have been so outspoken if Jesse's um, diagnosis wasn't fatal. I mm. don't know if that's given me a bit of extra confidence to talk about it because he was never going to come home with me ever. Yeah. And I could have given birth to him, but they told me they did advise me against it because they said he probably wouldn't look like my baby that I'd want to remember. Mm. Um, but I know that parents who have a diagnosis that isn't fatal, that must just be another level of trauma and guilt that they have to work through. Mm. And it's just it's just heartbreaking that that support has not been there mm. until now. And it really is. It's really kind of making it hard now. It's, we talked about it. We had a podcast um, with Claire uh, termination for medical reasons and yeah. following that we were talking about it and in my opinion it's probably the most taboo of pregnancy loss yeah. and also in my opinion I think it's the one where we need to come together as women as people you know just as decent human beings and comfort and support those mm. couples and those individuals the very very most and the thought that someone could go through that and be too embarrassed to sell too fearful of people's reaction just breaks my absolutely breaks my heart because when I put myself in that position my god to not have love and to not have 100% support in that situation must be so damaging it is it is so damaging and you know mental health is so spoken about now and it's such a yeah. big now and we're all aware of it and yet there's this group of men and women who are just just left out yeah thing and it's they didn't want this to happen you know they did not want this to happen and yet they are left to feel this immense grief and trauma and guilt I think the mental health thing is I think with so many things 
it's okay as long as it's like quite sort of shiny and aesthetically pleasing it's okay to mm. to show the vulnerable side of yourself as long as it's quite on trend and that is never gonna be it's no. never gonna be shiny and aesthetically pleasing it's gonna be it's dark and it's ugly and it's it's absolutely the the very worst of of a mum's nightmares right but we need to get over that as people because until we can start backing up the ugly shit that's going on absolutely we're all gonna stay lost absolutely and you know what another thing that shocked me is how how common it is so it Mm. happens on average to 15 babies a day 15 babies a day are terminated through medical reasons that's as common as stillbirth yet stillbirth is spoken about but Mm. it's because it happened naturally Mm-hmm. And the guilt and the grief and everything else isn't there for that, you know, the the, the, the guilt because yeah. they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Whereas termination is still viewed as we did something wrong. Yeah. And mm. I just, you know, my God, I would challenge anyone to walk in my shoes during that period mm. of time and not not kind mm. of just feel an ounce of what I felt. Mm. Mm in recent sort of weeks and months it's been spoken about an awful lot more and that has got to be wonderful for the people who've gone through it and like you say the people who've gone through it historically as well um like with the even people just talking about their miscarriages that have happened all those years ago in in your group Bex Mm. it's um it's it's healed a lot of a lot of old wounds hasn't it Mm. What you're doing is giving this access to people that need it the very most. And that is incredible. What an incredible thing that you're doing off the back of something so horrendous. Yeah, I just uh, I just knew that something had to change and it was going to take someone with a big mouth to, <laughs> to shout. <laughs> because people were talking about it to an extent and no one was listening because it was still so yeah. linked to abortion and we mustn't yeah. talk about abortion. Yeah, definitely. It's a friend of mine has just been through it. And just even even now, just being able to say to her, right, we've got episode, you know, whatever with Claire, listen to that. We've also got one, look up Little Norfolk Cottage on Instagram, being able to point someone to all these things that will help them, that will help support them. It's just incredible. And the more people do take this on board that do listen to to things that do want to educate themselves the wider this audience will be and the more manageable it will it will always be shit of course it will always be shit but if someone has that little candle in the dark that is support that's when life starts to get better I always said that for me my healing started when I began to talk about it and began to learn of others who had been through it yeah I just, I really do believe that. The second you think you're alone, shit is scary. The minute yeah. you know one more person went through this, you're like, oh, okay, well, if they've done that, I can do this. You know, if I'm, I'm not alone here. And that's, yeah. when, that's when it really started to feel comforting to me. Yeah. 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 Especially, I think, especially with the, the uh, what we talk about a lot is the ugly feelings. Mm-hmm. I think when you start airing the ugly feelings, no matter how ugly, people resonate with that and people go oh I felt like that too and I'm not a bad person and I'm I did this for a reason or you know whatever I I was thinking that for a reason and just feeling as you say feeling alone is is the worst and it's scary and there's one other thing that I really want to get changed I mean it's not going to get changed anytime soon because of this bloody pandemic but it's the fact that some hospitals still send women to abortion clinics 
for a termination for medical reasons. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's where they sent me. They sent me on my way with a leaflet to an abortion clinic and I had to call round on a Friday night and book myself in. And I managed to get booked into a, an abortion clinic in Brixton for a week in a week's time. And I said to them, I need my baby's body to get back to St. Thomas's for genetic testing. You know, and I don't know how this works. And I've Googled, I mean, the stuff that I'd sat and Googled, how to get a dead baby's body. Oh, bless you. you know, and you think you're writing it and then it hits you. That dead baby is going to be my baby. Mm. And it suddenly like shocks you back into reality. And I said to them on the phone, I need to get the, the body back. And she put me on hold and came back and she said, oh, good news. She said, um, we can give you it on the day in a box, but don't worry, it won't be see-through. And I went, oh, okay, brilliant. Oh, yeah. And I did. I was in such a daze. I thought, You well, just accept it. Yeah. That's brilliant. It, the box won't be see-through. That's good. And then I got off the phone and I, I mean, my sister said to me that you're not losing your baby that way. You're not going no. there. going to happen. Yeah. And... For me, I guess my kind of my my benefit at the time was that I had severe gynae issues with my endometriosis and with what I'd been through with Jack's. I had still had quite a lot of damage there. And it got to the point where the abortion clinic didn't think they were going to be able to perform the surgery on me because you're not in a hospital. And they said, if something goes wrong, all we're going yeah. to do is blue light you to the nearest intensive care. Mm. Yeah. And really, oh, God. I know, which doesn't really sit well. So would you then, in theory, if you had have gone to the abortion clinic, would you have been sat amongst women who were about to have a, uh, a, an abortion? Yeah. I get messages from women every single week who are going through that. Every oh. week. So one of my best friends went through it just before lockdown and her husband wasn't allowed with her in there at all. And she went to surgery on her own. She woke up surrounded. You know, it's just, it's barbaric. It's absolutely barbaric. Is it postcode lottery or something? Like, don't know. Not everyone gets sent to these clinics, do they? No, I I don't know. I know that there are, well, at the time, two years ago, there were still a couple of hospitals who would perform it in London because they were, that's where I was trying to get sent. Um, St. Thomas has told me the reason that they don't do it any longer is because if an emergency comes in, then that termination has to be put down the list and some women couldn't handle that. It kept being put back. I mean, I would much rather have been in that yeah. position than trying to go to an abortion clinic in Brixton on a, you know, a Saturday evening. But I won't stop shouting about that. I just... No. Oh, I'm so sorry for everything that you've been through. Well, you know what I am, but I'm even more sorry for the women who are going to go through that tomorrow and the day yeah. after. Yeah. And just... I just know what they're going to be going through because not enough has changed yet. Yes, we're now talking about it, but it has to be changed on the back end of things. Yeah, yeah of course. And what would what advice would you give to a woman tomorrow or a woman next week or next year? What How could you help them with what you've been through? Um, if it feels right to them, speak out because the support you'll likely get is astonishing. Mm. Um, when I started to speak out, I didn't think it was more of a rant that started mine I was I was ranting that the one in four baby loss stat had again made the headline news and again termination wasn't included mm -hmm. and the feedback I, and the support I got from that just blew me away so I that's you know I'd say that that maybe just confide in at least somebody because I'm sure yeah. you know you're not going to be judged by everybody um, and how would you advise people to deal with any judgment I think you have to get to the point within yourself where you are confident you did the right thing for that baby and for you. 
um, I think once that sits right with you, then any judgment will just slide off your back. It does mine now. Okay. Uh, and I think that's probably why I've been confident enough to speak out because I truly believe that we did the right thing for Jesse. Yeah. He, you know, he was out of pain quicker. My mental health managed to get back on track quicker. Jack's had his mum back quicker. So to me, that was the right thing for us. Yeah. And there are so many women, though, who who don't feel like that, either because they never had the support at the time or they've never had counselling. Counselling to me has been my absolute lifeline, just having that one person who I know would never judge me, no matter mm. what I said and did. Mm. Um, and I highly recommend that. I have it through Petals Counselling, and they're just phenomenal. Thank you so much for, for joining us and taking us through everything that you've been through. You. Um, we think you're amazing. Oh, thank you. I have done since ball one, haven't we? Ah, thank you. Yeah, and we have um, we've pointed a lot of people in your direction. Mm. Oh, Um, yeah. I'm always I'm always all ears to anyone who needs somebody to listen who won't judge them because it's uh you know so especially the early days and months they are just petrified. Really are. Yeah. Super. Well, thank you so much. It has been really lovely chatting to you. Lovely. Lovely. All right. Well, happy lockdown, girls. Oh. Oh God. Have a good week. Oh. Make sure you get all your loo rolls in before Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Well, happy lockdown. Yes. Enjoy. Thank you. Cheers, Sarah. Take care. The other side. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And please, please, when you have a second, rate us, review us, and share us. And let's get this taboo smashed. See you next week. Bye.